Okay, fantastic. But it's great to be here. Um, I, I thank Joel for doing all of my introduction this morning, so that's great. That saves me a bit of time. And I just want to say that um, as a result of all the things Joel said this morning, we, the Bible says that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness where we once walked into the kingdom of light. And it wasn't any of our doing. God just sort of picked us up one day when we said yes to him and he plonked us down where he wanted us to be. And one of the things that happens at, at New Year, who, who's, who's made a New Year's resolution so far this year? I, I'm glad to be here at this time because by about now you've um, written it off. <laughs> and it's not, it's not working for you anymore. But one of the great things about New Year is it's a point in time. And point in times are great because they, they cause us to assess where we're at, don't they? First of January, start of a new year. What does 2019 hold for us? How am I doing compared to where I was last year? And so they're great for us because what I want to talk about you this morning, and we can throw the, the, that first slide straight up, Cameron. I want to talk to you about drifting. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And one of the things that happens to us, and Pam mentioned it this morning in the, in the prayer meeting just as she was praying, and I, I wrote it down because I thought it was really profound. And um, it was really good in the Old Testament because all, all the guys had scribes. And so when they said something really profound, someone was there to write it down for posterity's sake. So Pam... I've written this down for posterity's sake, okay? She said it's so easy to let our humanity take over. Have you found that? The Bible says we've been transferred into the kingdom of his son. We've been given a new nature, a godly nature. But isn't it true? It's so easy for our humanity to take over. And so what we find is that we start to engage in old nature thinking which results in old nature speaking and ultimately in old nature doing. So we find that we who've been translated into God's kingdom drift often back to some of the behaviours and stuff from our old life. And so I want to just talk a little bit about that this morning. And we're just going to move quickly because I've got 30 minutes and a fair bit to do. So one of the things that I've noticed is drifting is easy. Anybody can do it. You know the story of Balaam? Who knows the story of Balaam in the Old Testament? One of the prophets was going along, should read the story, and he was going to embark on doing something really stupid. And, and as he was going to do this really stupid thing, a donkey spoke to him. And that's one of the great things for any of us who, who have the, the privilege of speaking on behalf of God to a congregation, is it's not that glamorous. God used a donkey once, okay, to do it. So drifting is easy. Anybody can do it, even a donkey. And it's so easy for us to drift from where we want to be to where we don't want to be. And the second thing I want to say about drifting this morning is that drifting subtle. You don't notice you're drifting. Who's ever been out just kind of lying in the beach, you know, and you started off righteous. You started off in between the yellow and the red flags. But you were just out there floating in the water, enjoying it. 
And uh, all of a sudden you looked up and guess what? You're, you're not in between those flags anymore. You've drifted across the beach and you hadn't realised. Drifting is subtle. You know, we, we never go, oh my goodness, I'm drifting. It's only when we stop and take a think about where we are, we go, hang on, I'm not where I used to be. It's subtle. So easy. And, and, and lastly, and probably not exclusively, there's probably more things about drifting, but drifting's dangerous. Because drifting's about us moving slowly, unperceptibly, from where we want to be to where we don't want to be. Now, that applies to everything in life. Uh, who drifted over the, over the Christmas break in respect to their waistline? Before I went overseas, I lost four kilos. I found them in England. <laughs> well, they found me. They sort of, they were hiding out in these places that served all that stodgy food and um, they just attached themselves to me again. And um, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that hard to perceive because I felt my clothes getting a little bit, you know, comfortable or less comfortable. So, you know, we all, we all drift, don't we? And, and some of the things, are, we drift in our health, we drift in our, you know, our employment situation, our personalities, etc., etc. So what I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about five areas where we drift in our spiritual walk, and then I want to talk about three things that we can do to stop from drifting. Okay, so you ready? This is one of those strap the, the seat belts on because we're going to move pretty quickly. Remember the scripture where it said... Um, we must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, that we may not drift away from it. Okay, And so this is one of my favourite sayings. You've probably heard me say it before. But you'll find the word therefore in the Bible very, very often. It's, it's regular. Paul especially will lay out something. He'll lay out some foundation. And then he'll go on to say, therefore. In other words, on the basis of what I've just said... This is the application of what I'm talking about. And the writer of the Hebrews has done exactly the same thing in this first verse in, in Hebrews chapter 2. He says, therefore, pointing back to everything he's just said in chapter 1. And chapter 1, it opens with him saying, in the former times, God spoke to us in many different ways through many different people. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son, Jesus Christ, whom he has made the heir of all things. So I'll, I'll, I'll summarise that. God spoke to us in many ways in the old times, in the former times, but in these last days, he's chosen one vessel, one method to speak to us, and that method is the only method that has power. You remember the disciples said to Jesus, when Jesus said, boys, do you want to go away too? He said, where else are we going to go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. So when the writer says, pay close attention to what you have heard, he's talking about what Jesus has said to us. And so when we talk about drifting, we're drifting away from the things that Jesus has spoken to us. Okay, so let's move on then. These are the five things that we drift away from. Now, as we go through these, you're going to, there's a couple of things that are going to happen. 
One of the things that will happen is you will go, I haven't drifted from that. I've never experienced that. That's, that's fine. Because I, I'm going to tell you that there's lots of... The, the church has drifted, you know. We, um, we went to a, a couple of churches while we were away. One of the churches we went to is the Wells Cathedral. Who's ever been to Wells Cathedral? Anyone? It's, it's a really cool place. It's really beautiful. It's very impressive. But I don't know how influential it is anymore. And sometimes it's easy for us as believers and collectively as churches to still look and sound impressive but not be influential because we've drifted. And one of the areas we drift away from is from presence. Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with you. And he went on to say, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And Joel mentioned this this morning during the worship time when he was leading us about seeing miracles happen because the presence of God was here. In the Bible, in, in I think Luke chapter 5, it says that the Lord was present to heal. In, in the book of Acts, uh, I think it was either Peter or Paul, one of them said the, they recognized that God was, was present to heal. He was here. He was ready to do something through them. That's the, that's the important thing, through them. And, and sometimes we drift away from this concept that God wants to be present with us and in us. You know, when we walk into a room as a believer, each one of you, look at me today and, and understand this, you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're no longer who you used to be. There's this incredible world that's been opened up to you. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the things which eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, the things that have not even entered into the heart of man. God has revealed these to us and is revealing these to us by his spirit. And so what he, what he wants, if we, could, if we could lay down a marker that says, where does God want us to be? He wants us to be here with him present in us. Uh, I think it says that um, Paul writing, he says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know that scripture? That Jesus is in us. So when we go into a situation, we don't go into the situation unarmed. We don't have to. I'm prepared because we carry the presence of God with us. Amen? Yeah? But sometimes... We drift. And God's saying, come back to that. Come back into that situation. I I long for the days, and I've experienced it and drifted away from it. I long for the days when we come into this place and it's difficult to stand anymore because the presence of God is so heavy upon us. It's not a religious deal. It's we just feel the weight of his presence so much We just want to get down on our faces because to stand up would be inappropriate at that time. And, you know, we don't always have to manifest that in an outward way. Sometimes we just go through our day conscious, conscious of the fact that Christ is very present with us. Amen? So let's not drift away from presence. Secondly, passion. Jesus said the one who loves much, sorry, who has been forgiven much, Loves much. Who's ever been tempted to look at someone and go, oh man, God really, really forgave that that guy of a lot of stuff, yeah? 
Man, he was really a lot worse than me. And uh, no wonder he loves Jesus more than I do. Because, you know, I really wasn't that bad. You know, Ian, Ian on the other hand was, was bad. You know, he, he was bad. However, I was not quite as bad as Ian, so I didn't need as much grace as Ian did. See, only one of us is telling the truth in this conversation, and it's not me. But who's ever thought like that? Don't put your hand up. Who's ever thought like that? I want to tell you the same grace that it took to save the most wretched, evil sinner was exactly what I needed, exactly what you needed. And so we we easily drift away from passion because we forget what it is we've been saved from. Amen? The Bible says that in Matthew 12, 24, sorry, Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said, in, in the end times, and I love the way this is put in the King James. I never quote the King James unless it serves a purpose in my message, and this is one of those days. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Who knows what that term is, wax? It's not about a candle, although it could be. It's about, have you ever heard talk about the waxing and the waning moon? Anybody ever heard that term? Now you probably, you stop reading all those books that are out on the foyer and you're now in Kindle and they don't use that language anymore. But it's, it's an old, old term that, that the moon waxed and waned. In other words, it was the rising and the setting of the moon. So waning's going one way and waxing is going the other way. And, and here's the thing, and this is why, this is like drifting. The waxing, how many of you have ever noticed that the moon never just shuts off like that? You know, five o'clock it says the sun's going to go down. It's bright, five o'clock comes, bam, it's dark. It doesn't happen like that, does it? Or maybe it does in your world. In my world it doesn't happen like that. Does it? The moon doesn't come up, bam, there it is, bam, it's gone. It comes up slowly. You can't even perceive the amount of time. It's like you go an hour and then, oh yeah, the moon's here. And that's what it's like with drifting. It happens subtly and slowly and all of a sudden we don't know where we are and passions like this. You know, I'm not as passionate about Jesus as I want to be. Can anybody say amen with me to that? And um, so let's stir ourselves into passion, yeah? So that, that he becomes the, the answer to the longing of our soul. Okay, number three, the third thing, power. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, <clears throat> Paul says to Timothy, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have no, uh, nothing to do with those such people. Listen to what Paul says in that, just before that passage I mentioned in first, uh, second, first Corinthians chapter 2, and it's not the yellow one, it's the red one. He says to the Corinthian church, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Listen to it again. My message and my preaching were not 
with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. A demonstration of the Spirit's power. I don't know what that looked like. But I've got to tell you, I would have liked to have seen it. I would have liked to have been there when Paul was preaching in such a way that the preaching had a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And he goes on to say this in in verse 5, So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Church, we are meant to be people whose stock and trade is the power of God. Now you might say, yeah, in your dreams, Steve. Well, that's what happens when you drift. Sometimes as a church, we have drifted so far from what God says. And I'm not talking about Northies now. I'm talking about the church. We have drifted so far away from what God says and what the scriptures say that it... um, You know that song, To Dream the Impossible Dream? That's what comes to mind. You know, when we we read something in the Bible and instead of saying, Amen, we're sometimes tempted to say, Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Love to see that, but I'm not holding out any hope. Because we've drifted away from power. But, you know, one of the great things about drifting... Listen and listen to this. This is, this is so key. If you, don't, if you forget nothing else about this morning, remember this. The great thing about drifting is you can always stop. The great thing about drifting, like you think about the, the picture of the beach and drifting in the, in the tide, you can always just stand up and put your feet down and realign yourself and go in a different direction, yeah? I love that. The great thing about drifting is you can always stop. Okay, next one. Purpose. We drift from purpose. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. That's our purpose. But sometimes we drift away from it and we end up with a whole program that often doesn't reflect our purpose. Sometimes, again, as I said, at church level, but other times at a personal level, in our personal life. You know, when we walk into, when we walk into work, and I, 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 I constantly have to refresh my mind on this. Why am I here? Well, number one, I'm here to do a job, but my overarching purpose in that is to make disciples of all people. When I go to school, my overarching purpose is to make disciples. And, and you get this, right? Whatever you're in, this is the thing that Jesus has called us to. Purpose. Okay, how are we doing for time? How, how long have I got? Oh, praise God. Um, 10.34. Now, I know what time it is now. I just don't know what time I started. Okay, fantastic. I've just had the imprimatur. It doesn't matter. Okay, and then the last one. And I love this, but I, I, it makes me cry too. We drift from position. Let's look at what Ephesians says. Number one, it says about Jesus. Number two, it says about us. 
Talking about Jesus, it says, He, God, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named. And God raised us up, talking about us in Ephesians chapter 2, 6, and God raised us up with uh, and seated us with him in Christ in the heavenly realms with Jesus. Now, I can't remember whether I've done this before with you or not. But in my right hand is a $20 bill. And this is a reflection of the difference between Thailand and Australia because when I did this sermon in, in Thailand, I had a 100 baht note, which is the equivalent of about $5, $6 maybe. So it costs a lot more to live over here. And I'm going to put this in here. I'm going to leave a little bit hanging out so we know it's there, okay? So let's imagine, for the point of this illustration, that $20 note is you, and this Bible is Jesus, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this is what God has done to us. He's, the Bible says he's hidden us in Christ. In other words, he's joined us together with Christ completely. So Jesus is not just an ideal that we can aim for. It's actually God's done something much more significant than that. He's transferred us not just from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his own dear son, but he's actually joined us to the person of Christ so that Christ dwells in our heart by faith. How cool is that? You know, if only we remembered that every day, that wherever we go, Christ can rule in our hearts through faith, yeah? So, so let's imagine that this is what we're, we're seeing, that G, we're, we're hidden in Jesus. So here's the thing. When my Bible goes anywhere, guess what happens to the $20 note? It goes with it. When it comes back, what happens to the $20 note? It comes back. If it's put on the top shelf, where's the $20 note? See, I love this message because I have often found when I've been out preaching money in my Bible. And it's been so fortuitous. You know, you know that $20 note in the pocket thing, of the, the pants you haven't worn since uh, Christmas last time? <laughs> Same thing. Um, but here's the, here's the incredible thing. You and I, what did I do with that water? I take some medication and if I don't drink water, my mouth all sticks together. You know, some of you all experience this. And you end up talking like that. And one Sunday, Anne said to me after the message, what was wrong with your mouth? I said, oh, no, I didn't have any water and my tongue was sticking to the top of it. But this is what God's done for us. He's so joined us with Christ. This is our position. The Bible says that we're heirs together with him. Joint heirs. You know, so imagine that. You know, Bible goes on the top shelf, I go on the top shelf. Bible inherits $20 million. 
Join ears. Join ears. God has put all things under his feet. Join ears. Position. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like God has placed all things under your feet? That's the position. But we drift, yeah? Sometimes, sometimes we don't even know that's what we're supposed to look like because we've never been told that's what the word says. So Paul, so Paul excuse me, the writer to Hebrews says, we must be careful, therefore, to pay attention to what we've heard. In other words, pay attention to what the Bible says about us and our situation and our condition and who we are now. Because we drift. We drift. Okay, I've got to move on. Okay, three things, three quick things that will stop us from drifting. Number one, fixing our position. Remember I said before that you don't know you're drifting until you stand up and look where, you've, where you are. You've, you've seen something and you've fixed your position. And you go, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm lost. Because there's nothing around here I can see that looks vaguely familiar. But you've, at least you know where you are. You can say, I might be lost, but at least I know that I'm lost. And that's a step from those that are lost and don't know that they're lost. Bible says, Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In uh, Hebrews 2, it says, fixing our thoughts on Jesus. So if we want to stop ourselves from drifting, we fix our, our minds and our thinking on Jesus, who he is, what God's done for him, number one. Two, on Jesus, who he is to us and what God says about us. And then three, on Jesus, what he wants to do in and through each one of us. And that stops us from drifting. Have you noticed that? Who's ever noticed when you've got to do... (laughs) I'll go riding on the horses, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, you've got all of them. The whole herd. (laughs) What's that talking about? Fixing our position. Fixing our position. I don't know. I was going to make a very profound point then, and I don't remember what it was. So we'll just move on. So we fix our position on on who we're meant to be. Number two. This is a really interesting one. I reckon it's easier to fix our position than to master this one. To draw near to God. How many of you have found that when you drift and then you stand up and you realise that you're not who you want to be, this thought comes to you. God is really disappointed in me. I don't think I can face him. Have you ever experienced that? You know, where you're disappointed in yourself because you've drifted so far away from his purposes. Hey, if I'm disappointed in me, what must God be thinking? That's absolutely 180 degrees in the opposite direction from the reality. You see, 
And listen to this. God can never be disillusioned with you. Because he has no illusions about you in the first place. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you're capable of. He knows exactly what you're going to do. And he still died on the cross for you. I heard something the other day and it made me stop. It was amazing. You know that that scripture that says, Paul says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I was listening to Andy Stanley the other day and he said this, and this this is an amazing thought. When Paul wrote those words, he was actually describing what was happening in his life. Because at the time, he was away from God and a sinner. Jesus was literally dying on the cross for him. That's powerful, isn't it? Like we, we, we think about it in a kind of eternal frame. But for him, it was real. It was, a, it was a, on that day. Because there was a day, it was an appointed day. He, they knew the date, it was marked on the calendar, it was Passover in that year. On that very day, Paul says, I was a sinner away from God, but yet Christ died for me. So, the writer of the Hebrews says, so let, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not based on who we are, but based on what Christ has done, so that we might receive mercy and grace to help. One of the things we need when we realise we've drifted is grace to help, yeah? Because we can't fix it. So let us draw near to God. Please, remember this. Remember this when you go out today. God has no illusions about you, so he can't be disillusioned with you. He knows exactly what you're capable with. So he can't be disappointed. He's, he's never going to say, Joel, mate, I never thought you'd, you'd do that. Because he always knew you were going to. And he still loved you. It's crazy, isn't it? Just remind me to get that 20 bucks bet out of the Bible, okay? After the message. Hang on. I've put the Bible down in front of Jack. Bad, bad move. Still there. Okay, number three. Stay connected, draw near to one another. Uh, Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. In other words, the opposite to drifting, yeah? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Re, I have good news for you. All day breakfast. (laughs) It's one of the great things about living in the 21st century. I had eggs benedict at about, I don't know, 11.30 yesterday. It's fantastic. Stay connected with one another, yeah? Being connected with one another who will encourage you in the faith will stop you from drifting. Okay, my time's done, I think. So can we stand this morning? I'm not going to ask you who's drifted and who hasn't because... (laughs) We're all in this together, aren't we? But if you you know, you say, Steve, yeah, I I recognise I've drifted. I'm going to pray for you this morning as I pray for all of us. But let's, let's remember that God loves us. He died for us. 
He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and he's placed us not only in the kingdom of his own son, but he's joined us together with Christ so that everything that Jesus is, we are potentially, everything that Jesus has received is potentially ours as well. That God has called us to passion, to his presence, to his purpose, to his position, and to be people, men and women, who walk in the power of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. We find ourselves here on January the 14th, 2019, in the year of our Lord, having drifted. But God, we don't want to stay drifted. We want to come back. The other great thing about drifting How many of you notice that it's always quicker to get back to where you were than it was to drift away? Have you noticed that? You know, sunny day, floating in the water, you drift out of the, out from the flags, yeah? Have you noticed that you always swim back? And you get back into where you're supposed to be quicker than you drifted away. Isn't that good news this morning? Father, I pray that your spirit would come and invade us, God, powerfully, mightily. God, equipping us and helping us move today. Move our mind, God. Move our thoughts, move our speech and move our actions back in line with who you are and who we should be. In the name of Jesus. Amen.